This morning, I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to the book of John. The book of John, John chapter 19. We've been talking about what Christ said upon the cross. And in uh, John chapter 19, there's a passage of Scripture that we see here that is uh, um, very telling about the mind of Christ. Um, as we've detailed the, the anguish and the agony that the Lord went through on the cross, the, the grief and the sorrow that was being endured, the pain and just brutality that was afflicted upon him that, uh, we, we, we look at and we consider there's, it, it's just kind of a horrific thought to sit there and think he would do that for me that you would do that in such a way to provide salvation for us, to provide an eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. And when we look at those sayings that he said on the cross, here we are at this third one, and, and we see here in uh, uh, John chapter 19, and in verse 25, it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, but woman, behold thy son. Then he saith to the, uh, excuse me, then he saith to the disciple, behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his, uh, his own home. Now this disciple is very clearly John. John is known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. There's something very special about the relationship that John had with Jesus Christ. Uh, something that was unique. Something that was very different than everyone else. Different than the other disciples. And, and I love that fact that there's an individuality with all of the disciples that we see in Scripture. But with John, there was an extra, if you will, uh, uh, message that he gave to him. He, he dealt a lot with John and love. He dealt a lot with John and compa- compassion and care and comfort in all of the, the, the books that John wrote. In J- the, the Gospel of John, in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and in the book of Revelation, we see a demonstration of God's love towards his people and towards believers and what he's done for us. And it's amazing to see those things. So we know that there's this connection there with John. But we're not talking about what that that that, uh, that, thing, that issue with John this morning. We're talking about what Jesus Christ said. And in this these two little sayings that he had that are are back to back in the same vein in the same thought process, there is a mindset of Jesus Christ that he is as he's going through this on the cross that he stops in the middle of pain and anguish, to say this. And I want us to think about that this morning. To think about what he said, how it was said, and, and what, it, what it teaches us. What it does to us as believers when we realize what that saying, what those sayings meant. And we want to focus on that this morning. But let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I just thank you for the time that you've given to us. And Lord, I am just so grateful and just humbled by the fact, Lord, that you would come here and you would teach us and that, Lord, you would instruct us, that you would give us your word, that you would give us salvation by what you did upon the cross, Lord. And as we reflect upon that this morning, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be soft and tender to it. That, Lord, we'd see the compassion that you exhibited, the love and the care. And that, Lord, we'd have a desire to exemplify that in our life. That, Lord, as you are on the cross doing this for us, that, Lord, we would follow in like manner. And, Lord, we would give of ourselves. And that, Lord, we would just go forth with care and compassion in our life as you've taught us. Again, Lord, I just thank you again for those that are here. Pray for those that could not be here, that uh, whether they're sick or ill or just unable to make it, that, Lord, they would return back to us soon. And, Lord, again, I just thank you for all you've done for us. May this time be pleasing to you. I ask and pray this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
So here we are in this individual address to both Mary and John. We see that there's a concern that Christ is exhibiting. Now, now it's amazing to think, and as I talked about this morning, that when we're dealing with the Lord, that Lord, the, the Lord has individual relationships with each one of us. That it's it's not just a, a corporate relationship. It's not just kind of this, hey, you're kind of, you know, in this uh, mix together. You're kind of somewhat, uh, uh, you know, important to the Lord. No, everybody is important. Everybody that is a believer, the Lord knows. I mean, he again, as we've seen, his thoughts towards us are innumerable. His care towards us, he remembers our frame. He knows the numbers of hairs on our head. All of these things, he knows us. Each one of us. And there at the cross, he sees this group of individuals. And it's amazing to think about this at this point in time. That you have three ladies by the name of Mary there. Three Marys. Mary, his mother. Mary, the wife of Cleophas. And Mary Magdalene. And these Marys we see throughout. And if there's one thing that I notice about this, these ladies is that they had a care and a compassion for the Lord. They loved him in such a way that even some of the, the, the disciples were put to shame by what they said, by what they did. I mean, very clearly, you go over to the book of Mark and you find that the, the Lord is upbraiding the disciples for their unbelief because they didn't believe the word that these ladies came and said about the resurrection, about what they had seen. They just kind of put it out of their mind. But what we see here is these individuals, and specifically, he focuses on Mary, his mother, and focuses on John, the disciple whom he loved, and there's this concern about her. There's this concern about John. And this is a, uh, this is an amazing thing when we stop and think about this. As he is on the cross doing this, he is remembering all of these things that have been done, all of these things that have been prophesied. Go over to the book of Luke. Go over to the book of Luke and look at the Luke chapter 20, or Luke 2, Luke chapter 2, and in verse uh, uh, 34, here Jesus is uh, being brought to the temple, and uh, there's some things that are going on, and uh, in verse uh, 34, and it says, And Simeon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set up, uh, for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Now look at this parenthetical. Look at what he says here in these parentheses. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Here he is, he, he stops for a moment in this prophecy, Simeon to point out saying, Mary, you're going to go through a horrible thing. You're going to go through a point where this sorrow is going to affect you. Now, the sorrow that he's talking about, he's talking about the sorrow of what went on on the cross. And we know what Jesus Christ is referred to as uh, a, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And what we find here is we find that Mary is associated with that grief. And Simon, Simeon points out and he says, look, you're going to go through something. Could you imagine that? There she is, and, and she's watching her son be brutalized through all of this and being rejected and being mocked and being scorned. I mean, she knew who he was. Her whole life was kind of, if you will, was, there was some trouble about uh, what was happening with Jesus Christ because she was troubled at the angel saying, the messenger... She was troubled by those things. And you look at all of the stuff that's going on here. She's again going to be troubled. And there she is at the cross. At the cross. This is part of Simeon's prophecy that this sword is going to pierce through her soul. And this is something that Jesus Christ took concern over. He knew how it was going to affect her. He knew what was going to be going on in her heart. The thoughts would be revealed. He knew exactly all of these things. 
And there he is as, as our savior upon the cross. And, and, and the only ones that are there at this point in time are these three ladies and John. These three ladies and John. And here she is standing before the cross, witnessing all of this brutality, witnessing the mocking that had been going on, witnessing what had the discourse between her, uh, Jesus, or between Jesus Christ and the thief, witnessing all of these things. These are things that, that, that she's seen. And, and, and the mindset of what is going on has to be beyond description. As these ladies are standing there, his mother standing there, and that disciple whom he, he, he loved, that disciple that had a very special relationship with the Lord, that was unique, that was different. Because John needed a little extra love. <laughs> you go through and you see John was a bit of a hothead. John had a temper problem. John had some issues. John, John and his brother James both had some, some issues. And, and, and very clearly we find that John points this out even in his own life. But as, as, as we find this here, he, he, he stops in all of the anguish and the agony to address them. To, to speak to them. To acknowledge them. Those that were there. Go over to the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 20, there's something here that, that, that is, is, is very important. In, in, in Exodus chapter 20, and in verse 12 of the Ten Commandments here, we see very clearly that this commandment that is given is one about parents. And it says in Exodus chapter 20, <clears throat> It says, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, it's very clear that the Lord kept every single one of the the, the elements of the law. And this one is no exception. During the time of his grief, and during the time of his sorrow, and during the time of his anguish, he still says, I am going to honor my mother. Now, obviously, Joseph is not here. We, we, we don't see Joseph uh, much after uh, a few passages in the beginning of Luke, and that's about it. So we can kind of assume to a degree that, that Joseph is out of the picture that Mary's a widow. Joseph's not here. So that's a general assumption is that Joseph is not in this picture anymore. But what we find here is we find his mother is, and his mother is being honored. This, I mean, this is an amazing thing that he would sit there and have this care towards his parent, if you will, uh, this, this care and, and, and concern about what's going to happen to her. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. He's on the cross. He's nailed. He's bleeding. He has an uncomfortable crown of thorns on his head. He's, he's not in a position where we would really think that the first thing that we're going to think about is, what's going to happen to my mom? But his concern is there. He exemplifies this. You know, Paul repeats that over in, 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 uh, uh, the book of Ephesians as well as, uh, Colossians. He talks about children, uh, and the honor that they're supposed to have, the obedience that's there. And what we find here is, is we find that Jesus Christ is exemplifying that honor. During his torment, he's still following the Word of God. Now, when we think about this for a second in our own life, uh, would we do that? Would we exhibit that type of behavior? You know, uh, back over there in, in, uh, Luke chapter, 
Luke chapter uh, 2 and in verse 51, all of these things that, that happened to, to, to Mary at the beginning part when she sees all of this stuff about Christ's uh, uh, birth and all of the things going on and uh, the, the preservation and the, the attack by Herod, all of these things coming. And it says in verse 51 of Luke chapter 2, it says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. This is again after he had been left at the temple. And he again, he's being subject to them. He's obeying them. Jesus Christ is putting himself in subjection. Now people get, get that whole idea of what subjection is completely messed up. Because they have no, they, they, they think it's something else. But he was subject to them. He put himself under their, uh, uh, their guidance, their direction, their rule. And he was God. Again, humbling himself. But I want you to see that part where it says, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. You know, she kept all of that and she's watching that. That saying that troubled her about the sorrow, the saying of the, uh, when, when, when he was, uh, uh, being, uh, um, when his, his birth was being, uh, foretold, all of these things. She, she very clearly kept these things. She remembered them. All of these things, she she kept them in her heart. They were dear to her. They were dear to her. And here is this moment where her son is up there and all of these things are probably right there at the forefront of her mind of the things that he said. And the things that he said is he said, I must be about my father's business. And there he is on the cross doing the father's business. All these things kept in her heart. You know, Mary Mary had a, a very interesting life. Now, again, you know, there are there are, are religions out there that worship her and pray to her. And, and 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 God says that's not what we're supposed to do. But you know what is very clear? Is Mary had a very unique ministry in this life. She had a very unique ministry. She had a very troubling one. To sit there and watch all those things, to, to watch her son be despised by many, to watch her son, uh, go through some, some heartache, to watch her son be forsaken by all of the disciples. Uh, again, just, I want you to think that all of these things are probably just flooding her mind at this point in time. Last thing on her mind is probably what's going to happen to me. But Jesus Christ is very much caring about that thought. He's very much caring about that physical provision that she needed. Go, go over there to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. And I, and I want to point this out in Proverbs chapter 23 and in verse 22. It says, hearken unto thy father that begat thee and despise not thy mother when she is old. Yeah, think about this for a second. She's obviously aged at this point in time. If he's 33, he's, she's significantly older at this point. She's aged. She's aged. And very clearly the Bible says not to despise, not to despise the mother when she's old. That's the way that people are today. They they don't treat the elderly with care and compassion. I mean, you know, I I work in that industry. I can tell you horror stories. We've all heard the horror stories. But very specifically, he the Lord makes it clear. He says, when your when your mom gets up there in that age, don't despise her. You know, that's what the world teaches. Go back and, and, and blame everything on your mother, right? Blame everything on your father. But, you know, it's not your fault. It's all your parents' fault. No, it's not. The problems that exist in our lives are probably from our own doing. Now, I understand that there are situations that happen and occur, and I get that. But I will make it very clear. We have a choice of how we deal with them. 
We have a choice of how we deal with them. But here he is exemplifying all the parts that we need to understand in Scripture about how to treat a parent, and he's exemplifying all of this. He's showing us. I mean, he knew this. He he saw her there. He knew the anguish of her heart. He knew all of the trouble and sorrow that was there. He knew all of that. Go over to the book of Luke again. Go back to Luke chapter 1. And and again, I just want to point this out so we can get an idea of the mindset of Mary at this point in time. And we see here in in uh, um, in verse 26, and it says in uh, Luke chapter 1, And the sixth month uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be you ever read that passage and sit there and go wait a second what <laughs> here he is gabriel says hey you're you're gonna get a prestige and an honor out of this there's something about this you're gonna be blessed not 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 every woman's gonna experience this but you are and you know what the very first thing is she's troubled by the saying She's troubled by the saying. She's troubled by the saying. She's keeping all of these things in her heart. You go over there uh, uh, to, to, to verse uh, um, uh, 48 of chapter 2. Again, referencing back where they left him in the temple. Luke chapter 2 and verse 48. It says, and when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, hast thou, uh, why hast thou dealt with us? Or dost that, uh, de- why hast thou dealt with us, behold thy father, and I have sought thee sorrowing. Sorrowing. You know what I see a lot with Mary's life? Trouble and sorrow. Trouble and sorrow. Now, that's not the necessarily the ministry, I think, that a lot of us would think that she had. And here at the very end, she's watching all of this happen and all of this come about. The Lord exhibits some care towards her. At the time of his suffering, he's giving her honor. I want you to go back over there to the book of John, chapter 19. I want you to see this here. And, and in verse 26, and when he, and when Jesus, uh, therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. I want you to think about this for a second. Have you ever gone through excruciating pain? Have you ever gone through a point in your life where, 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 where you have had some horrific pain going on? Um, I've, I've experienced, uh, um, what, uh, they said is one of the top, uh, pains that has ever existed. Uh, they talk about things like kidney stones being severe depending on, uh, but they also talk about that, uh, gout pain can be a horrific thing. And I've, I've dealt with gout. When it first came, uh, uh, when it first showed up, uh, they kept thinking that my, I had sprained my foot and it just wasn't going away. And it kept, it wound up getting undiagnosed for years because they looked at me and they said, you're not old enough. You're not old enough. You're not old enough. Well, it's not an old young disease. All right. It's a, it's a metabolic issue. It's your liver doesn't know how to process protein. That's all it is. And the end result is when they, they, they figured out what it was, uh, they began to say, okay, well, we need to do some things to try to, to, to take care of this. But, uh, it got to the point of where the one day it got out of hand and, um, I went into the doctor and I, I was, I was in so much pain that I had backed myself into the corner of the office on a chair and I was gripping a hold of the exam table with my nails digging in and on this side over here with the wall and my nails were digging into the sheetrock, I was in so much pain. And I was screaming. I was screaming. 
the nurse walks in, or the, the I guess you say the nurse walks in with the uh, um, the attending because it was a resident, and uh, the attending looks at uh, and he goes, "Looks like gout from here," and he's he's not coming near me. <laughs> <laughs> he's not coming near me. He looks like he looks like gout from here, and he looks at the nurse and he says, "Tord all stat," and she goes. Hm. And she just, not, not saying a word. It's just kind of one of those weird things. And she, she comes back like a few seconds later and she's got this syringe in her hand. And I am not kidding you. She does the, the army nurse thing with her teeth. Whack right in the arm. Boom. Like this. And I'm like, provided some relief. They admitted me to the hospital. They put me on a morphine drip to manage the pain. And I'm just saying all that to say this. You know, when I'm going through that, you know what? I wasn't thinking about anything else other than stop the pain. Stop the pain. Stop the pain. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to see the victory that Christ had here over the flesh. That while he's going through excruciating pain, he looks over, he sees his mother, and he still continues to give her honor that he could actually have victory over that pain and over that flesh. At that point in time, just all of that stopped, and he looks at his mom. That's Jesus Christ. You know, through all the things that we go through in our life, and when we're in our deepest, darkest hour, and we're doing all these things, and it seems like all this stuff is going on in the world. We've got Russia invading Ukraine. We've got all sorts of things in the coronavirus, and we're going to all get locked down again, and gas prices are going crazy, and everybody's going to have to buy electric cars, and, you know, everybody's just freaking out about everything, right? And there's, there's so much more. People are talking about, oh, there could be another depression coming. You know, everything's going to start. Inflation's out of control. You know, who's going to be elected to office? And everybody is freaking out about everything. But you know what? With all of that going on and the Lord knowing all of that and the Lord watching over all of those things, he still stops and looks down in your life and says, hey, that person needs comfort right now. And he gives it. You know, upon that cross is such a demonstration of who Jesus Christ is that I can't even begin to describe how it affects me to think that he would stop and have care about his mother who is watching him die. And then we look at our lives and we don't have time to care about anyone else. We don't have time to stop. We don't have time to stop in our busyness and take a moment of comfort. But he did. You know what he did? He did exactly what Paul was talking about in First uh, Corinthians chapter 13. He demonstrated charity. You know what he was doing? He was demonstrating in Galatians chapter 6. He was bearing her burden. Not only the burden of sin, but also the burden of sorrow that was in her life. That's just an amazing thing to think about who who the Lord is. And, and And then there's John. I want you to go over to the book of Matthew. I want you to see this. Matthew chapter uh, uh, 26. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Jesus Christ is getting hauled away at this point in time in the garden. And, 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 And what happens at this point in verse 56, it says, But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophet might be fulfilled, Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. 
All this stuff was being done, all this prophecy come to fruition, all these things, and here, here, here are the disciples. Now, all of the, we know in John chapter 6, verse 66, a majority of his disciples left him because of a hard saying. But we find here the 11 that are left. The betrayer has come back and betrayed him, and now we have all the rest of the disciples, and they have to make a decision. And what do they do? They ran. They ran. They fled. They left. Here he is going to get all the way, and nobody is standing with him. Peter was saying, not so. Peter defending with a sword, cutting off Malchus's ear, all of these things, all that big talk led to nothing. John was there. John fled too. John fled too. But I want you to notice something. Jesus Christ didn't bring that up when John came back. He didn't stop and say, woman, behold thy son. And John, why did you leave me? John, why did you forsake me? John, why did you flee? Now here's John. John watching the trial. John bringing Peter in. This is part of that special relationship that he had. He cared. He was the only disciple that cared that way. Peter wanted to be there, but as soon as he was confronted with the fact that he knew Jesus Christ and he was fearing for his life, he fled again. He denied Christ three times, and then he fled and he wept bitterly. Because he had failed to be firm. At this point in time, John really didn't care. John had gone through uh, this uh, this whole trial. John had been there all to the point, and now he is at the cross. The only disciple that he had left was right there at this point in time. And after John had already fled, Jesus Christ doesn't bring this up. He had returned to be with the Lord at the darkest point. Darkness was falling upon the earth. Darkness was, was, was in this life, uh, you know, in, in Christ's life at this point in time as he's bearing the, I mean, he's bearing the sins of the world. I, I just want us to get that in our mind that as he's on the cross, he is not only bearing my sin and your sin, but the entire sin of everything that was ever committed on the face of the earth. He's bearing it on the cross at that moment in time. And he looks and he has a word of compassion towards his mother and he has a word of care towards his disciple that he loved. that loved Jesus Christ, that was there at that darkest point. And here he is, and John John is given this privilege. John is given a, a, a very great commission, a very specific commission, where he says, Behold thy mother, and from that hour the disciple took her unto his own home. He had the commission of caring for Mary. No one else was there. Jesus had brothers and sisters. But we don't find any of them there. We don't find anyone else that's there except John. And he says to John, this is now your responsibility. Now it's interesting to think that Mary and John would come together in such a way. It's interesting to think that they would have this very special relationship that the Lord had had put together for both of them. Why? Because here you have Mary loving her son who is on the cross, and you have John who is loving his master and his Lord and Savior who is on the cross, and he knew that this was the darkest hour and there were going to be tough times ahead, and he puts both of them together to comfort one another. 
As this morning I read over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4 where he's talking about the comfort that comes that we may comfort others. You know, he put those two together for the reason of comforting each other. When, if you think about this, you know, that, that over there in John chapter 20, I want you to turn there really quick, turn to John chapter 20 and take a look at what happens here, uh, when they head over there to, um, when Mary Magdalene says that he's risen, uh, in verse six, it says, then cometh Simon Peter following him. Well, who's, who's running over there? That's the disciple whom Jesus loved. So John and Peter are running over there. Uh, Peter goes in and sees those things. And in verse 8 it says, Then when in also that other disciple, John, which came first to the sepulcher, he saw and believed. And what happens? For as they yet knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. They, they had no idea behind that. Look, John and Peter were not believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? That scripture wasn't revealed to them. It wasn't until afterwards. And it says in verse 10, it says, Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. Just kind of a casual thing that he says that, right? Well, who was in his own home? Mary. Over there in, in, in the, the, the verse in the previous chapter, in verse 27, he took Mary to his own home, and there they, you know, he goes back to her, and I can only imagine him coming back in to that room, to that house where Mary was, and is she still grieving, and she's still concerned, and she's still wondering what's going on, and here he is now believing, and he comes in, and he tells Mary, and he says, he's risen. Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. We saw the brutality, and now we see the victory. And there, it's very clear, we see this all being painted together for the purpose of demonstrating to us how great it is that the Lord would think on us that the Lord would consider us. And as he's there on the cross, bearing the sins of the world, bearing our sins, he's still concerned about us over some of the smallest things. The smallest things. Haven't you ever been so busy with doing stuff that the, the, the small things get left behind? Like, I don't have time for that. Jesus Christ made time for it. Jesus Christ took time out of the crucifixion to address the needs of his mother and to address the needs of a disciple. This is a demonstration of Romans 5a. The Bible says in Romans 5a that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. And right there, he's commending his love. Christ can't help but demonstrate that to us. It's who he is. God is love. He demonstrates that. And while many people may sit there and say, well, you know, you you, you talk a lot about Christ's love. Well, you know what? It's Christ's love that brought about that salvation, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, I understand the wrath of God. God hates sin. God can't stand sin. Sin is so abhorrent to him, it doesn't matter what degree we think the sin is, one sin will keep a person out of heaven. One, one sin can immediately condemns a person to hell. To death is what scripture says. And we think about that just for a a brief moment in time and, and, and it just, we realize how great a love it was that he would come and bear that death for us. But at the same time, continue to demonstrate his deity of who he is by looking and knowing that he needed to address the needs of a woman that was sorrowing and a disciple that was concerned about what happened next.
And here he is saying to, 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 to John, behold thy mother. And, and he's making it very clear that, uh, that's his responsibility now. It's, it, it's to take her and to care for her as his own. You know, we, we put things that we care about in the trust of only people that we trust, right? You, you, you wouldn't give a hundred dollars to somebody that you knew was going to do something with it. You wouldn't say, Hey, I've got this wad of cash. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and give this to you. You're, if you're gonna give somebody a wad of cash like that, you're gonna, you wanna trust him, right? He's giving something that was so much more valuable. It was at this point in time, John had to begin to honor Mary as if he was his own mother. We, we know John had a mother. As a matter of fact, his mother, James's and John's mother kind of started getting a little meddling at one point in time about the whole who's going to sit at your right hand and t- things of that nature. Talking about that she wanted James and John on the, and, and that just kind of, Caused a little bit of a dis- dissension among the, the the groups there with the disciples, looking at well, why James and John? What's the, why did they get the preeminence? So we know John had a mother, but here's something that's amazing: is that Jesus Christ looks at him and says, "I trust you with this." I want you to think about this for a second. That the Lord is is exemplifying the trust by giving something to John that was truly precious, that was honorable, that was something to be cared for. He stops for that, that moment and says, I need to take care of this. John, I trust you. She's your responsibility. She's your responsibility. Over there in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13, it talks about how the Lord Jesus Christ in a messianic prophecy would deal prudently. Deal prudently. And, and, and I cannot find a better example of that prophecy than this right here. In the time of sorrow, in the time of anguish, he's still dealing prudently. He's still doing the right thing. Do, I mean, do we not realize the great example of who Christ is? That if going through the difficult, most difficult thing that anybody could ever possibly face, he still chooses to do what is prudent. He still chooses to do the right thing. He still does what is right and what is good. You know, when we're going through a difficult time, guess what? Everything, it's like we don't care anymore. We just open the door and let sin in. We let anger obsess us. We let, we let frustration overcome us. We let fears rack us and grip us and bring us down. We let sorrow destroy us. We do all of those things that are contrary. We, we only care about ourselves and, and, and who cares about anyone else? I'm going through it now. But Jesus Christ, example, his example right there. And, and I'll tell you this. Praise the Lord, we don't have to go on a cross like that to bear the sins. Now, we have to go through things in our life. But I tell you this, nothing is going to be very, even anywhere remotely close to what Jesus Christ went through. Nothing. And he still sets the example. He still sets that example. And here he is putting these two together so that they would have a companion relationship of Mary and John together. And it's amazing. I mean, think about this. No one understood Jesus Christ the way that Mary did. Nobody did. Mary did. She was his mother. She... She, she'd been with him for his entire life. She knew all of it. And, and, and there was, and I, I have to quote this here, but there's, this, there's something that was said by, by an author, um, 
um, his name's A.W. Pink, and he, he said this, and he said, there was none like John who had apprehended Christ's love so deeply. Because we see that that's all John can, t- can talk about. In all of his writings, this is what John talks about. And you know what this common bond between Mary and John was? The love of Christ. The love of Christ. On the cross, he exemplifies bringing two hurt souls together at the cross. You know what binds us together? You and me? Being at the foot of the cross. The shed blood of Christ. The power of His resurrection. The companionship that is stronger than even our own blood relatives. Have we ever had family forsake us? Have we ever had family, you know, do something against us? But here we have something that is far greater. And as I read this morning, no man shall be able to pluck those sheep out of the Father's hand, out of Christ's hand. Nobody shall do that. Nobody has the power to do that. And you and I, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we are stuck together forever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disparage it with some snide remark about who we think we are, but I want us to just sit there and praise God to say that it's the same situation. Two hurt souls at the cross and Jesus looks at them and says, I'm gonna bring you together. You're gonna be companions in the same love. You're gonna be comforted together with the same comfort. You're gonna be together to rejoice in the greatness of God at the resurrection. I can't even begin to describe. I, it just my mind again, you know, it just plays and I just sit there and I think about it. And I, and again, I speak as a fool in this. I just kind of think about that for a second where I can just imagine John believing and then he's running back because he's got to go back home. Why? Because he's got to tell Mary. Now she'd already been to the tomb. But to go back and to realize it's a risen Savior. Jesus Christ is back. You know what binds us together is that common love of Christ. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be in every relationship. What brings friendships together should be the common love of Christ. What brings a marriage together should be the common love of Christ. What brings a church together in unity is the common love of Christ. What he has done for us. You know, this is just such a blessed, just just to think about it, this comfort and this fellowship that we have, to sit there and think about that. You know, there's a song that no one, I can't, I can't quote it right now for some reason. It's just, there's a block in it, but there's that song that talks about no one ever cared for me like Jesus, right? No one ever cared for me like Jesus. You know what? No one's ever going to care for you like Jesus Christ did. Nobody's going to care about where your hurt is. No one's going to care about your heartache. No one's going to care about your sorrow. No one's going to care about your fears and anxieties. No one's going to care the way that Jesus Christ does. No person in this life is going to do that. And the example of that is the fact that Jesus Christ on the cross stopped and took time to address two hurting souls. You know, that's the power of the cross. That Jesus would do that. That he would demonstrate that care. And, and, and I just look at these, just these two sayings, woman, behold thy son and behold thy mother. I mean, here, here we are with seven words. Seven words. And it, and it depicts the greatest care that has ever existed in the world. 
the middle of anguish, he says, I care. In the middle of his anguish, he says, I care. So when we're going through the middle of our anguish and he says, I care, we know that he does. These things were written so that we would know. The entire book of 1 John says these are written so that you may know. This is written, 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 this is written. Why? So that we would actually know who Jesus Christ is. And as we move through all of these sayings that are on the cross, we now see this, if you will, this this charitable commission that he gives John. This compassion that he demonstrates and this care during the time of affliction. No one has ever done it the way that Jesus Christ has to care for us this way. And I just want to say it is a huge, huge blessing to be able to know, to read these words, to be comforted, and to rejoice in that. We serve a living Savior. And He very clearly gave us that demonstration of how we should care. Even in his death, he's still teaching us, isn't he? He's still teaching us. Let's take a note from that. Let's think about it. Let's just, just take a moment in time and meditate on how much he cared for his mother and for John and how much he cares for us to bring us together because of the cross. Do we really care? Do we care the way Jesus did as an example? Let's make sure we do. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time that you've given to us. And Lord, I thank you again for preserving this in Scripture. And Lord, uh, I don't think we even came close to scratching the surface of what is being said here. And what you've given to us. But Lord, you've given us such a great comfort. Lord, I pray that we would think on it. We'd realize how great you are. That Lord, we would continue to go back to your goodness and your greatness. And how praiseworthy it is. That Lord, on that cross, you cared about those souls. And Lord, right now, you care about ours. You know, every hurt that we have, you know, every trial we're going through, you know, every anguish that we have in our life, you know, every pain and you know, every hurt. And Lord, you truly do care. If you cared for those at the cross, Lord, I know you care for us now. May we learn from this example. Pray, Lord, you continue to be with us during this time where we sing praises to your name. Lord, may we meditate on this truth that we learned this morning. And I ask and pray this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.